Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, Senior Editor of the EHS Daily Advisor. Now, when we talk about workplace safety and health, too often a certain category of business is left out of the conversation. Nonprofits. Yet these organizations, often heavily staffed by dedicated volunteers, are just as vulnerable to hazards as any other for-profit organization. On today's podcast, we're sitting down with a veteran safety professional who is looking to close this gap, and we'll discuss how he and his organization are looking to provide a helping hand to nonprofits with pro bono health and safety services. Our guest on the show today is Jack Geisert, the founder and president of Safety for Nonprofits, or S4NP for short. Jack has worked in the environment, health, and safety field for 45 years, including leadership roles in industries ranging from biopharmaceuticals to semiconductor and computer manufacturing to environmental remediation. An emeritus professional member of the American Society of Safety Professionals' Greater Boston Chapter, Jack is also the co-author of the upcoming book, Don't Forget the Worker, Stories of Workplace Safety and Health. So Jack, welcome and thank you for joining us on EHS on Tap. Justin, uh, thanks for having me here today. It's great to have you. So to start things off, I mentioned a few things in our intro, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in safety? Yeah, Justin, uh, I'm happy to talk about myself, but I think most of um, the audience is really interested in hearing about safety for nonprofits. But I'll, I'll just say that in more than 45 years of professional health, safety, and environmental work, um, um, throughout my entire career, I've been an unabashed advocate for workplace safety and health and worker health and safety. So um, to me, that's uh, the most, you know, something that really carries through to the safety for nonprofits and our, our purpose and mission. Absolutely. Now, uh, as you mentioned, you're here today to discuss Safety for Nonprofits, or S4NP, uh, an organization of which you are the founder and president. So uh, how did Safety for Nonprofits get its start, and what is the mission of uh, your organization? Well, let me just start with the mission and, and goal of Safety for Nonprofits. It's to encourage and enable our, our fellow professionals to deliver pro bono advisory services to nonprofits in their local communities. That's really the vision where, um, you know, if, if I had to, you know, create a viv vivid image of what we are trying to accomplish as we're trying to increase the outreach and the give back of the professionals. And how we started, uh, we've, we've created from scratch uh, this new nonprofit organization uh, whose purpose it is to remove the barriers that our fellow occupational health and safety professionals have to that would keep them from delivering services and helping in their communities. And one of the key concerns or barriers is professional liability. So, I mean, I, I'll spare you the details now for you and the audience uh, we can go into more detail about the governance and uh, how we're structured. Uh, that's not so important. Really, what I'd like to do now is just talk a little bit about um, the why of it. Why are we considering uh, forming this organization on a national basis to um, 
address specifically workplace safety and health nonprofits. And uh, just as far as background, um, I'm just looking at a sheet of some facts here. Uh, there are, and when it comes to nonprofit organizations, uh, it's an underappreciated um, part of our society and our fabric and our safety net in, in our society in the U.S. There are 1.3 million 501c3 organizations in the U.S. Mm. So when we talk about 501c3 organizations, that's that's the IRS designation for nonprofits where the donors are able to deduct uh, their donations and funds that they send to the nonprofit as a uh, tax deduction. And so there's 1.3 million of these organizations. And these organizations, that they're all one of the common aspects of them, if there is any commonality, is, is that they have filed as a public charity and they have incorporated in their local state, their territory, or uh, tribal governments as a public charity. And as a result of that, um, just to, you know, to let people know what, what really a nonprofit is about, they have quite a bit of visibility in terms of um, public access to information about how the organization is used, how the money is spent, et cetera. Uh, but as I'm saying, it's a large part of our society. Uh, if you've helped out um, with your local Boy Scouts and Girl Scout troops, perhaps on a Habitat for Humanity uh, build, uh, maybe you've helped out with the United Way, perhaps now you're helping with some of the COVID response, uh, maybe at a, at a uh, food pantry. These are examples. These are all run by nonprofit organizations. And when we look at the size and diversity, uh, they make up 10% of the private sector employment and 5.3% of the gross domestic product. So these are, these are facts, but it also illustrates just the size of these organizations. And again, that one commonality is that they have this designation from the IRS. And um, so nonprofits tend to also be small. Uh, they have very few financial and other resources, and they may have a mix of employees, contractors, and volunteers. Like you said, Justin, uh, they are you know similar to some of the emerging occupational and health health and safety issues associated with gig work. Likewise, work in nonprofits, whether you're an employee or you're a volunteer. Um, there are certain workplace protections that somehow nonprofits, uh, they're at the sometimes the lowest level of maturity. And of course, it all depends on the type of operations that they're running because not, you know, the hazard level, depending on whether you're doing a, a build at a habitat affiliate build location or whether you're in a nice, well-ventilated and lit office setting or working from home the risk is going to be different. You know, that's a little bit of background information um, on um, what the nonprofits are facing. And, um, you know, just a little bit how I got involved. Uh, shortly after my retirement about four years ago from paid work, I, I started to give back in the community that I had lived in for about 25 years. 
and I started volunteering for a, a furniture bank. Uh, and um, I come from a family that has a very strong tradition of community outreach and service. And so it was just a natural thing for me. I was, I was done with my professional career, I thought. And uh, so I, I went to work and help in the community. And at this furniture bank, I moved furniture, I drove trucks, uh, and I couldn't help but notice that they would benefit a lot from a focused attention to uh, some of the workplace health and safety issues that as professionals we're all familiar with. And um, so I expanded the scope of my volunteer work and into being a safety and health advisor. And I know now several, two years later, that they are better and safer for the work and the risk assessment, um, the end-to-end -end support that I've provided them. I continue to support them as an advisor pro bono. And so as I was developing this relationship with this nonprofit, I started to talk to some of my fellow professionals and asked, um, you know, if they had any experiences or if they were helping with workplace safety and health on any of the work they were doing in their retirement. I was talking to some of my retired friends and some of them were doing this work and others wanted to, but were reluctant because of the professional liability. Mm. And so we started to explore the feasibility of this. And we thought for sure that there would be something within our profession similar to the attorneys organizations and the retired business executives and uh, medical community that gives back and volunteers. And so we started to look around. We talked to uh, various stakeholders at the national associations. And what we discovered is that there was no such system for this. And that's really the earliest stages of how Safety for Nonprofits was conceptualized and launched. There was uh, a group of volunteers, and it's amazing for me to look back now several years and to see the journey that we've been on. And, um, you know, so that's a bit of background. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, too often, nonprofits uh, make it overlooked when it comes to safety, but it should be obvious that employees of these companies, including volunteers, have the potential to be injured or even killed by hazards the same as anywhere else. Uh, you've discussed the hazards you encountered as a volunteer at a furniture bank, and I worked in a volunteer capacity after college at a therapeutic riding center where there's, you know, large horses around. So there's all sorts of of very diverse hazards that could be in the nonprofit sector. Um, but what are some of the specific hazards that you've seen in the nonprofit sector and how does safety for nonprofits seek to help? Yeah, I mean, good question, Justin. And it's good to hear that um, you, you've done some volunteer work. I think that, um, you know, what we see, it, it, what we've have found is that the hazards that are present, of course, depend on the type of operation and a lot of other variables. It depends on how much pre-planning was um, put into the job, et cetera. But I mean, the most common hazards that, that we see in the nonprofits and are, are the things that we see in general industry and, and in the private sector. Uh, vehicular accidents, uh, that's the, the leading cause of work accidents for all nonprofits uh, across the board. 
in particular, um, volunteer emergency responders and disaster responders have a very high vehicular accident rate, including fatalities. Uh, pedestrians being struck by vehicles. Um, we've had some tragic incidents in the past year uh, at food pantries with volunteers being struck by vehicles uh, and fatally injured. Uh, working at heights, uh, you start getting into construction and maintenance uh, or other work, musculoskeletal injuries, you know, sadly also violence in the workplace, um, especially in the human services uh, where you're uh, trying to support the homeless uh, community, and there's a lot of mental health issues, and um, you know, you know, the violent workplace violence is definitely an issue that all managers of nonprofits have to deal with. And um, the other things that say, you know, indoor air quality can be an issue, and also basic life safety and evacuation. Um, so uh, there's just a very wide variety. But ultimately, what it comes down to, if I were talking to a group of nonprofit leaders like we have, um, and um, really the first recommendation we provide to them is to perform a risk assessment. And, um, you know, we can get into that later, but um, that really is, is fundamentally what we're planning to do is um, through our volunteers, outreach into the communities helping them understand the hazards, helping them prioritize them, and then helping them on a priority basis apply cost-effective solutions to reduce the risk to their employees and to their nonprofit and to their volunteers. Next, I want to ask you, uh, do you have any um, success stories from your organization, Safety for Nonprofits, that you're particularly uh, proud of? And uh, could you tell us about them? Yeah, it's that um, we have had a number of successes. Now, I'll just more broadly kind of frame my response uh, because I'll, I'll frame it in the context of have we had experience in general as an occupational health and safety community mm. in delivering services to the nonprofit sector? Mm. And the answer is yes. And so anytime uh, an OHS professional helps a, a nonprofit, uh, that is when the state OSHA consultation, the OSHA 21D consultation that's available in every state, when they deliver services to a nonprofit, that is a success story because the nonprofit has requested it. When the nonprofit leadership asks for an insurance representative to come and perform a loss prevention survey, um, that is a success story. And our volunteers with safety for nonprofits most of them have performed work with in various capacities with nonprofits. Um, you know, one of our volunteers the other day helped the safety coordinator, a newly appointed safety coordinator at a Habitat for Humanity affiliate, fill out their OSHA 300 form, and um, etc. So there's a number of different ways that um, our community of OHS professionals already before Safety for Nonprofits got started, have already been delivering these services. It's just, it's not at the level that is, is really needed. And the nonprofits in particular, especially with COVID, are struggling um, to stay afloat, run safe operations, and um, serve, you know, fulfill their mission 
Uh, and the mission for nonprofits is everything. It defines what a nonprofit does. So that's why we started talking about the, the mission of safety for nonprofits and it's to remove the barriers, to encourage our, our fellow OHNS professionals to, to get out there and deliver services. We're in the, in the process of putting in place insurance that will help us manage the professional liability uh, which is one of the main obstacles for why we as a community have not performed as much outreach. That's great. Now, um, our audience for this podcast is uh, made up of environment, health, and safety professionals. How can they help the mission of safety for nonprofits, and where could they learn more about it? Yeah, Justin, th- thanks for asking. And um one of the first things I'd say is that if one of our listeners, uh, one of the audience is already performing some volunteer work, uh, helping with some health and safety at, at, at the local nonprofit, uh, whether it's the Girl Scouts or the soccer league or the animal rescue, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. The other thing we would ask is please tell us about it because we know this is going on. We're trying to catalog some success stories, best practices, et cetera. So uh, there are other ways that you can help. Um, We have um, our website, uh, which is s4np.org, www.s4np.org, is um, just setting up our donation button uh, so that if uh, there are people who wish to make a monetary donation, that's always welcome. And if you would like to help us develop uh, our program, in particular, we're currently conducting four proof of concept state capacity building projects. That is in four states where we're developing the ability to do full on-site consultation uh, to supplement what is already out there through state OSHA consultation, through the insurance companies. And those states are Arizona, Colorado, Ohio, and Massachusetts. So if you would like to volunteer and help there, reach out to me. Go to our website, s4np.org, um, and it'll direct you to, uh, we'll, we'll get you into the system. We'll get you invited to help. Uh, we have some internal committees that are working behind the scenes to also build the back office administrative capabilities. And so if you are interested in, um, you know, helping build, you know, design and build the business uh, in what we call our phase two, uh, that's another volunteer opportunity. So I think, you know, that, and I guess there's one other area I wanted to mention is if you're a leader in either the ASSP chapter or the AIHA chapter or some other affiliated organization, it could be the National Safety Council chapter in your state or uh, American Biological Safety Association, et cetera, the Applied Ergonomic Society. If you want to get involved in this and partner with Safety for Nonprofits. We're open to partnerships, so please reach out to me. Uh, My contact information is on the website. Well, this has been a great conversation uh, and an important one uh, to draw attention to this workplace safety issue and how EHS professionals can help. So uh, thank you so much again, Jack, for taking the time to be with us today on EHS on Tap. You're very welcome.
All right. Now, we'd also like to thank our audience for tuning in today. And remember to keep an eye out for new episodes of EHS on Tap and keep reading the EHS Daily Advisor to stay on top of your safety and environmental compliance obligations, get the latest in best practices, and keep your finger on the pulse of all things related to the EHS industry. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap. Thank you.